0: Hey, BTB buddies, today I've got Drew Harmon from Detroit, Michigan on the show, and boy did we live up to Behind the Bits tagline of Serious Comedy Talk. From front to back, we had Serious Comedy Talk that any new comedian could listen to and learn something. So give it a listen. The first few minutes are a little crunchy, there were some audio problems, but it gets better after that, so... Hang out for like four minutes, and then everything will be great. Thanks for listening. Here is Drew Harmon. Hey Drew.
1: Hey Scott, thanks for having me. Yeah, appreciate thanks it.
0: for being on the show. I appreciate it.
1: Of course, Worst. I also appreciate that my uh, my Willie Nelson poster with the signed ticket is in the background. So. Yeah,
0: <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, the um, first thing I wanted to ask is how did you um, how did you what made you make the move from San Francisco to Detroit?
1: Yeah, uh, so I was in San Francisco for about 14 years. I actually started comedy in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Uh-huh. Moved out to San Francisco for work. I've been doing standup. I've been working. Uh, I because it, you know it's Midwest. Sometimes if you can competently hold a microphone and not piss in your pants for 10 minutes, uh-huh. uh, then you can be a host at a club. Yeah, and it's not so much the case now. I think it's a little more. Uh, they're a little more strident now. But at the time. That was the case. So I was already hosting at clubs in the Midwest. uh, Moved out to California for work, but I immediately jumped into the scene there uh, and had that moment uh, where you're like in a club, you're seeing some of the local comics, Mm. and of course I walked out. I went out there thinking like it'll take me you know six to eight weeks, and I'll be working all these clubs. And then had that moment where I took my notebook and threw it away and just started from scratch. But um, I'd been in San Francisco for about 14 years. I uh, had done the West Coast scene, uh, L.A. regularly, uh, Portland, Seattle consistently, mm-hmm. lots of road work, um, lots of those triple runs mm-hmm. through uh, through the Southwest and into you know, into Nevada and that kind of good stuff. And my wife and I, we our parents, our, our families are all still in Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, we both still have day jobs. I've had periods where I am just a comic, but I had, had a day job for a few years now. And uh, it just kind of hit a point where we were already thinking about leaving. San Francisco is a tough city to live in. We couldn't upgrade our apartment. We were kind of in a small space. Pandemic hit, and uh, we've been saving up money. And, of course, the money we had saved up couldn't get us a whole lot in San Francisco, but it could get us a lot in the Detroit area where we have a lot of family. And that was (laughs) kind of the bottom line. And on top of that, both of our companies in California, gave us the ability to work remote permanently mm-hmm. so we got to keep our california salaries in detroit and i gotta tell you uh ball hard in
0: yeah uh, in detroit
1: versus <laughs> what it was like <laughs> in san francisco so that was kind of the impetus all our families all of our parents are alive we getting old we have a lot of nieces and nephews here that we didn't get to see a lot um and i was just ready for a change i it's you know I, i'm in my early 40s been doing stand-up for about 15 years uh-huh. uh, had some had some brushes. Uh, with opportunities, like auditions for Comedy Central and that kind of thing, and uh, just stuff had not hit, and I found myself getting to a point of, like, I think I'm ready for a little more space, and uh, let's go see what the scene is like in Detroit. So uh-huh. that's uh, that's kind of what, what pushed me into that.
0: Change. That's cool, and I find so many – I used to live in northern Indiana in the South Bend area, and uh, I got to meet a lot of Michigan comics, and there's just uh, – for for it being Michigan, okay, Midwest, uh, almost almost Canada, all that kind of stuff. There is just a lot of really good comedians that come out of Michigan. I'll say that.
1: Yeah, and you know the the stage time's been good. There's uh, within the immediate Detroit area. There's really you know three decent clubs, almost four. We've got a fourth one opening here soon. There's a lot of fairly local shows. Like a lot of places, uh, COVID kind of took out some local venues, uh, some spots that had been doing consistent shows. So the scenes adapting a little bit. And, you know, anytime you move from one scene, I was very comfortable in San Francisco, I was used to getting up seven to 10 times a week if Uh I was in town. Um, And I was at that point where you can walk into an open mic or a book showcase and get stage time pretty easily. Uh-huh. And while the while folks here have been super nice uh, and easy, and uh, everyone's been very kind, uh, I was still an unproven, uh, you know, unproven entity. So there's it's it's taking a little while to break into some spots. I'm in at all but one of the clubs uh, here uh-huh. so far, but that's great. And you know what? It's um, it's also not so bad to uh, to kind of go through that process auditioning, uh, tightening up your set, you're back to like five minute sets. I found that some of my material got a little flabby. I was spoiled and mm-hmm. being able to be, uh, you know, I'm going to do 10 sets this week. So I'm just going to like jot down a half thought out premise and then I'll just go up a bunch. Whereas now that's not the case for me. It's I need to be more thoughtful and take the writing a little more seriously, which has been great, mm-hmm. uh, which led to being a little more purpose driven when it comes to, what's in my five minute set. I know they're only, it's, I, you know, that kind of thing, Um, which has been good. It's a good exercise that I think most comics need to go through uh, on a consistent basis. Probably.
0: I I do want to get to your um, uh, working on your sets and uh, you know, the reason where I contacted you is because you got into the Asheville comedy festival and some people had asked you about, you know, how, how do you do that? And, 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 most comics know that you have to have a, a pretty good five minute set to set, send in there. And I, as I told you, I got to watch that five minute set a few times today. and. It's really, really good. I mean, the, the amount of laughs are perfect. The pacing's perfect. You know, I, I really, I identified with a lot of the jokes, especially the Jefferson, Jefferson Starship joke, um, oh, So yeah. <laughs> because I'm old and <laughs> I remember when it was Jefferson Airplane. Um, so I uh, really enjoyed that set, but in, in, in your post that I read, you know, I read into it that you had to do a lot of work to get that set exactly how you wanted it uh can you go into you know what it took to get that the way you wanted it
1: yeah for sure um as as a comic and like i said it's i've gotten used to longer sets and i typically on the road and at clubs i'm doing feature sets so you have more space Mm -hmm. to kind of putz around Mm -hmm. but I, i decided to put some energy specifically towards let's get a really tight five minute set together and so um Really, it kind of came down to I want to have a middle or uh, beginning, middle, and end. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to start out strong. I want to give a fairly good assessment of the variety of stuff that I'm uh, that I'm able to talk about. I don't want to have it be just one one topic the whole time, or just kind of bash into the same mm-hmm. topic uh, over and over again, and kind of repeat the same themes. I want there to be some variation there, um, so there's a little something for everybody while it still combines, you know, my my general. View on on everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so it kind of came down to uh, for me. My writing process has always been um, start with just the basic concept, and then flesh it out like setup, punchline, and then see if that hits. If that mm-hmm. hits, and you start to expand on that, and look for the other ideas to add in there. But what always happens for me is um, it expands and expands and expands, and a bit goes from forty-five seconds to three or four minutes. Yeah. And then the trick that's the real hard part is okay, now can we edit it down? So I can fit this. So it's a minute 45, minute 30
0: right.
1: maximum. And with that set, it kind of came down to um I, I struggled, including um, there's a there's a part about spirit airlines, and I struggle even doing an airline joke because it is uh because it's 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 old school, it's like straight mm-hmm. out of the 80s, like sports coat, yep. with sleeves rolled up. Uh, however, I really enjoy my take on it and audiences continue to, uh, to have it hit, but I'll tell you the editing process, the initial line I wrote that began the spirit airlines joke that when I first did the joke was kind of the whole impetus for the writing it. Um, that's the bit that ended up getting cut out. That's the part that I don't do anymore as I would, um, I, I recorded it as part of the set a few times. Uh-huh. And when I was watching and reviewing the set, I realized that's the part that hits the least that's the least that's the the smallest laugh of the whole joke mm-hmm. um and it doesn't drive the joke anywhere else and i decided it was it was my favorite line but i pulled it out and then all of a sudden it hits harder and it moves easier mm-hmm. it uh, kind of goes easier into the next bit and i think that's where i struggle and a lot of comics struggle overall how do you um you, you got to kill your darlings sometimes yeah and uh and look for specifically, um, yeah, the the laughs per minute. That's, it's, that was one of the things that I was looking at when I was trying to get to a five-minute tape is, is there a solid laugh, say, every 15 to 20 seconds? Mm. It does this, is there some energy um, propelling it forward? Because I've had sets that I've recorded in the past and stuff that I've done in the past where um, clearly it's, uh, you know, you have those those gaps where it's like 30 or 40 seconds of setup and if you're expecting a Booker or a festival person who's reviewing tapes to sit through that stuff, um, I know for a fact they're they're gonna they're gonna tune out, and yeah. rightfully so. Um, and if it comes down to unless it's genius, unless it is 100% pure genius, um, they are gonna eventually tune out or drop off. And if it comes down to you and someone else who has, who has 15, 20 seconds between laughs. Uh-huh. They're gonna they're gonna go with the person who's getting more laughs. That's just how comedy works. Right. Again, unless you're a genius, I'm I and I don't want to. It's I'm sure there's folks who are like, who the hell is this guy? Uh, and you're correct. You're not. You're not wrong. That's <laughs> um, it's. I'm I'm a dude who's got. Uh, you know, I've I've had a few things here and there. I've uh, I've been around, but I'm like I'm a solid middle dude. I am a, I am a solid middle, but I at no point. Uh, the my biggest brush with fame has been when a, uh, when a weekly in San Francisco, Um, I had a show that was doing fairly well. It was in a local festival, but they put it in the weekly as uh, my show, my show's title with Dan Harmon and the show sold out super, (laughs) super fast. Um, And they had to do an article about how, well, actually it's not Dan Harmon, it's (laughs) Drew Harmon. Uh, And so, yeah, that's, that's kind of where that's, that that's been my biggest brush with fame but on the other hand um you know the i have managed to squeak my way into stuff Mm -hmm. and uh and i managed to be around and i've managed to get uh get attention from bookers and other festivals um and i've got a better track record than most let's say so um i've kind of i've kind of seen the process watched other comics uh go through um what works and what doesn't Mm -hmm. and this is just what's what's worked for me is you just have to um I think as comics, we try to find the the secret ingredient. The, the, one of the reasons for the post was um, comics were congratulating me on getting in, mm-hmm. and that's great. That's 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 super nice. But then I had a, a handful of comics who started asking, "What did you use to record it? What did what was your what was the secret of? Uh, did you use a four K camera? Were you using a secondary audio source?" They're going into the production value of the piece versus mm-hmm. um, versus the writing process. And I know for a fact that most uh, most show producers, most bookers, um, they would love to have a crystal clear image quality. They'd love to have it be pristine audio, mm-hmm. um, but they don't necessarily need it right. to be. And so I was I was uh, a little shocked at how and and I'm one of those comics. I use a 4K camera, although I think the clip in question was recorded on my phone, uh-huh. if I recall correctly. Okay. Um, and and I got the audio on my Apple Watch, and that worked just just fine. Oh, it really does. thats, just,
0: that's it, cool. Yeah,
1: yeah. And so uh, you know, it came down to uh, I, the post came from a desire to uh, give some other comics insight into it. it's it's like do the best you can when it comes to production, uh-huh. but the real work, like the stuff that's actually the the secret sauce, is all in the write, review, rewrite, review it again rewrite it again over and over and over again. um, That's where it comes in. And that's where you start to break through into the, into the good stuff. And, um, and yeah, that, that five minutes, just when it starts to hit and you realize like, I have five super tight minutes. It's also inspired me to go back to my other stuff, like my feature set. And I realized like a lot of this is a little flabby and Mm -hmm. indulgent. Let's start to tighten that up as well. It's been a great exercise for me and just the writing process.
0: And really, you can, uh, and and folks, don't mind the thunderstorm I got going on, if you can hear it. I've got hail like the size of quarters coming down right now. But, uh, (laughs) yeah, the the, and and I know myself uh, watching my own stuff and analyzing myself, you know, you either you're one of two people you either look at it and say hey this is all comedy gold I love it and that means your ego needs to be looked at or you look at it like (laughs) me and this is all shit and I don't ever want to see it again and I don't ever want to say it again but then you have to look at it again and say hey this worked pretty good but it could be better and it's it's the hard for me it's the hardest part about doing stand-up is actually evaluating what your sets are and getting the words right and and like you said cutting cutting out your uh, babies there that you know the ones that you the stuff that you love that you think is super good and yeah it's just not quite hitting as well as it could
1: yeah. And you know, video is, I, I record audio of pretty much every set. And that's one of the reasons I, I got an Apple watch mm-hmm. is because you can easily do a voice memo there. And that comes in handy um, uh, quite a bit of times if I'm syncing video later or something like that. Mm-hmm. But um, it, it's such, it's like the most crucial skill that I think a lot of comics forget about is just literally being able to watch yourself and judge yourself critically, but fairly. Um, when I first started recording video a lot, um, I thought I was, before, before I recorded the video, I thought I was super smooth and cool. Uh-huh. Uh, and I looked, I was like, you know, I was statuesque and I, I looked like a, you know, rugged version of the Marlboro Man on stage. When I watched those sets, I realized, oh, I'm a Muppet going crazy with my arms flailing everywhere. And i I realized how frantic I was. Um, and it wasn't necessarily that the material was bad. It was just I was performing it in such a frantic way uh-huh. that I would sometimes come off stage wondering, like, am I that out of shape? I'm sweating so much. And then I watched the video. I'm like, oh, it's because I'm a tense ball of anxiety the entire time. Uh-huh. I need to calm down. So that was huge for me. Um, but just being able to, like, watch it critically. And, you know, there's comics on the other side of it. I, I knew one comic once who we were both doing a showcase at a club. And he recorded his set on a a video camera and he went up early. And so as soon as the show was done, he takes down his gear and he leaves and uh, goes out to the car and we didn't see him for 15, 20 minutes. He Uh comes back in um, later and uh, he just says, and we're sitting in the back in the in the kind of comic area. And he just says, "I killed." I'm like, "Yeah, he did pretty well." And he says, "No, I I killed. I just watched my video twice. Like he went to the <laughs> car and immediately watched it. And that's also a level of uh, narcissism that we it's there's plenty of comics who do that where it's just they they can't honestly critique themselves or listen to the to the reaction honestly. And I've seen yeah. that over and over and over again. I'm guilty of it as well. It feels yep. if you don't don't watch the set it feels different on stage than it does if you get a few laughs on while you're on stage in a, in certain kinds of room it feels like you're crushing but then you watch the video and you're like oh no i did that was i i got that table but the rest of the room yeah. is not yeah. on board yeah. with any of that um and it's just such a it's such a critical skill but it's also like fairly and honestly critiquing your material and i think that's what takes most comics it was what holds most comics back. And, but also what um, pushes them forward into that next realm is right. just being able to have the taste level to decide like this, this is not genius. My first draft <laughs> was not genius. I have work to do. Yeah. And that's what, um, everyone I know I've known who's like pushed ahead into those higher levels works on material and their every aspect of their performance with such intensity that, um, that's that's one of those things that whenever I get I get soft and flabby, I think of my friends who have done late night spots and gone through that editing process yeah. with uh, with the producers. And I watched one of my friends. I think he recorded the same set 200 times, making minor changes wow. every single time to get on James Corden. And uh, and to see that level of work for a five minute spot is. Uh, yeah, just wild. But he yeah. went on, and he killed, and it led to other things. Yeah, um, as it should.
0: Yeah, and a lot of people make the mistake, and I made this mistake. Was you know, I did, I did get a, a decent five minutes put together, and it was, you know, I would say it's okay, and it it was, it was enough that I felt like I deserved to be up there, but then I felt I had to expand it and I had to get more minutes and more minutes and get up to 15 and get it up to 20 where the five minutes that I originally did should have been honed better before I went on. I mean, it's okay to write that stuff, but you really gotta get it to the point where you you know it's just this is as good as it's going to get at least right now and you know a lot I, I I see a lot of people make that mistake and and then other folks make the other mistake where they just keep hanging on to that five minutes and they don't add to it or they um, they hang on to stuff that just doesn't work. And, you know, I, I look at self-awareness and some of it's a maturity thing. And I think it's, some of it's a maturity and comedy thing because you can be pretty self-aware in your, in your, uh, normal life, um, and be mature and act like an adult. But then all of a sudden when you go on stage, you just become this complete idiot that doesn't know what's going on and you step off and you think you killed. And guess what? You, you weren't even close.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, there's a tendency it's always been there, especially in open micers and people who are just starting to maybe get booked a little bit Mm. um, that and it's it's very prevalent these days where uh, if the comic writes a bit and it doesn't really hit that hard, the tendency is to for some reason then determine that, um, you know, that's they're not ready for my genius. They can't handle it. (laughs) Um, I guess it it blew your mind. Yeah. uh, Something like that. As opposed to, um, yeah, pushing ahead and trying to come up with the way that it hits bigger in the room. And uh, I don't understand that inability to, um, I like to do well. That's always been a thing for me is I, I would prefer to do as well as possible uh-huh. in every room. And uh, one of the advantages of moving from san francisco to detroit and also now i'm doing shows in more rural areas there's a booking agency that's doing like one-nighters around the state mm-hmm. and they are not it's uh it's you know restaurants and yeah. bars in pretty rural areas and so um as a comic that challenge to me is can i make a joke work in san francisco but also detroit i don't want to be the guy who has like the two different sets of like okay if i'm here i do this joke but if i'm here i do that joke because yeah. also that tends to lean into uh I'm being, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, cater to each of those specific audiences. I want to be me with my material in whatever room I'm in, Mm -hmm. wherever that may be. And, uh, and, you know, having already done some road work and travel a little bit prior to, uh, to the move, I felt like I was primed for that anyway, but it's been a great exercise. And, uh, and so far, you know, it's, there's been a couple of rooms where I just do not go over, but I think that's every comic. Um, But you just focus on the writing and, uh, and trying to find that angle that works for everybody mm-hmm. and that's and, and eventually you find you you figure out the math problem and get
0: there yeah how do you feel about the um the the whole festival thing i I, I, I get these I, I get so much um Conflicting opinions on fest- comedy festivals and stuff like that. You you got to pay to um, uh, send your video in, and it's um, it's a um, it's just a, a a way to fill in spots for the headliners you got coming in. But uh, on the other hand, I see people they say, they say well, there's industry people at every single one of these, and you should definitely get into as many as you can you know what's your feeling on that
1: yeah uh and that's a great question especially for newer comics because there are festivals that are um are not going to benefit you as a comic but early on um it really comes down to stage time and being Mm -hmm. able to practice in certain areas um so bottom line of what i have found with festivals is i've i've done them and then i've gone back and forth on whether it's good or not Um, For me, personally, um, it comes down to uh, do the festivals that either have a good reputation or are in a place where you would like to perform. Um, But I would would urge everyone to, to look for the ones with a better reputation, but understand going into it. Um, this is not going to be your big break. You're not going to have Mr. Hollywood show up with a cigar,
0: yeah.
1: uh, chomping and coming in and like, you got something special, kid. I'm getting you on my private jet and flying you out right now. That's not going to happen. I have had that expectation. I have had uh, moments where it's like, oh, so and so is here. So or somebody uh-huh. from such and such is here. And it never led to anything. However, I do, I can see points in my comedy career where going to certain festivals, or performing in certain places led to suddenly I found myself um, having more road work Mm -hmm. or like that credit, or suddenly I know comics in other areas doing stuff like, um, like Asheville. um, uh, Some of the other, like uh, the comedy competitions in San Francisco Mm -hmm. and Seattle have been uh, good for you. you meet comics from all over the country And really what you end up doing is you start to, uh, as you're you're kind of building up your portfolio of the comics that you know Uh across the country. And the nice thing now is that wherever I'm going, if my wife and I decide we're going to go visit family somewhere, or we're going to take a trip, um, we can end up, I can find stage time for a night or two in any spot. uh, Or I also, or I might have an in at a club in an area where I'd like to go, uh, Uh to go do a week or something. So Uh you start to build those connections and uh and also just traveling to other places it puts it's good to put some miles on on your jokes um just getting i know i know a lot of comics who have either never been on an airplane for for comedy Uh or they've or they've barely driven uh across state lines to do stand-up and you can kind of tell and especially if someone if a comic is based in a very specific area and they stay in that area for a long period of time and this Mm -hmm. is true in um this is in true is is true in like florida as it is in new orleans as it is in san francisco as it is in new york and la Mm -hmm. comics develop that that callus for that specific area they develop that material and they can crush and i see the same thing happen to comics who only like if a comic gets a successful room if they build a good room. And they they're doing like one or two nights a week Uh at that room, and they start to like, well, no, that's I've I've got all the comedy I need to do. I'm just going to stay here. And then they go, they venture out, and it's like a house cat suddenly having to uh, to catch their own food again. (laughs) They just, I I've seen comics from L.A. travel to like do a festival in Portland. It's their first time out of L.A. Uh and they just bomb. I've seen comics from New York go and do like uh, shows in Chicago. And it's that, for whatever reason, that, that abrasive New York tone that they're just so used to, like they, they're, they're used to that, you know, Mad Max, one, one comic enters, nobody leaves uh, yeah. en- energy. And it, it just kind of uh, abrasively doesn't go over
0: uh-huh. well.
1: Um, and it, it's, it can happen anywhere. Even here in Michigan, I see comics from the west side of the state who never travel east and comics from east who never go over to the west. Yeah, And, uh, and, and when they finally do, they bomb and they're like, well, that side of the state sucks. Like, no, no, it doesn't. It's just, you don't know how to, you know how to work the three rooms that you keep hitting all the time. You gotta, you gotta mix it up. So festivals, um, if you can afford it, do it, but don't look at it as, uh, this is my big break. This is where I'm going to, I'm going to have a Netflix special by the end of the year. Once I, once I do that, look at it as an opportunity to meet some other comics, um, perform on some different stages. Um, but also, Set your set your boundaries for what you're what you're expecting to get out of it. I had one festival before COVID that I was accepted into. Uh, I accepted the invite. I got the the itinerary for the shows, and they put me on two shows. They were both in a bar at the town that the festival was happening in, and the bar seats about fifty people. But they were also they had a they had a club and a another larger venue they were doing other shows. And so I reached out to the one of the main producers and said, This this is not worth the plane ticket and hotel um for me to put this expenditure in to come do bar shows. I can do bar shows where I'm at right now. Mm-hmm. I would I would like to be on one of those. And they never got back to me. And so a week later I I canceled the uh, booking and then then they responded back and said, well if we'd known it was such a big deal we would have changed we would have put you on with other shows. I'm like I said it was a big deal. But that I <laughs> I set, you set those boundaries and what you expect out of it. Don't, don't fly around and and blow all your money just to go do, um, to do bar, bar shows, Uh um, set, you know, make a goal of what you want to get out of it and, uh, and stick to that. And if you're not going to get what you want, need out of it, then don't, don't, uh, feel too bad about, um, about not showing up or canceling. There's always another comic who is more than happy to take that spot. So, um, yeah,
0: yeah yeah I um uh, you talked about Portland and from everything I hear because I'm not I, I'm not I don't travel and I've only been part of two local scenes, one in South Bend and one in uh, Huntsville where I live now. and I do see that um, and one of the things that I notice is uh, you know, people get so wrapped up in the, I guess, the, the drama of, of, of their scene that they they forget the, what their ultimate goal is. And then, then, on the other hand, I see people who don't get into it and they're just nice to everybody and uh, they do their stuff and then they get out and don't... Uh, uh, don't, uh, start fights or anything like that. And, uh, those are the ones that I see moving ahead quicker. Um, and actually, um, getting out and getting some feature work and getting on shows and showcases and stuff like that much quicker than the ones that are just more about the politics and, and stuff like that. And, and, and you never know what their actual goal is. You know, it, it, it One thing that I learned, you know, being in business as long as I have is you really got, you have to say what your goal is and you have to be realistic about your goal and yet make it uh, hard enough that you have to work for it and in and, and comedy I think it's exactly the same thing and if you don't have your eye on the prize uh, you are really doing yourself a disservice in your act and 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 what you want to do with your life so you know even you know with the podcast and you know um, when I, when I do go out and do comedy and stuff like that, you know, I do make a little goal for myself. You know, I, I, want to get this many laughs. I want to make this joke better. I want to do this. And, and I, I do that rather than think about, you know, what are the other people doing?
1: Yeah. It's, you know, comedy should always be, I've always thought that comedy should be on some level a bit competitive, but don't be a dick about it. Like Mm -hmm. whenever I'm, whenever I do any show, I always, I'm sitting there as a comic looking at, I watch the rest of the show as much as possible. Mm. And I'm always in my head thinking I did better than that person, but then they did better than me. They closed really strong. (laughs) And, and you look at that, but it's not so, it's more about, I don't think it necessarily like, I'm trying to beat the other comics. It comes down to competitively. How do I make myself better? And that's always the goal. Like how do I make that joke better? How do I close stronger? That, that, this person, I feel like their jokes weren't as good, but they built a really strong connection with that audience way stronger than me. Mm -hmm. And more people are coming up to them after than are coming up to me. I'm just standing here. They're just like, Hey, what's up? And then they go and talk to this person that they had a really big connection with. Is it their material? Is it their stage persona? Is it their, the way they carry themselves? All of that stuff makes a difference. And so it's, you have to think of it that way. And you know, you, it's the, the, the comedy scene drama and the person who's like very detached from it. I've been both of those people Uh and, um, and being mired in the drama and getting a reputation as being a person who, who talks behind people's back is never a good thing. And also, um, I feel like it ends up being the kind of situation I call it playing comic where a person, Uh, They start out doing stand-up. They kind of stick to their area. They most likely get their own bar show or something they book so then other people will book them back. Mm -hmm. Um, But they get really into the lifestyle of, like, I'm out four or five nights a week. I'm drinking all the time. I'm out doing shows. I have a really strong opinion about what this local comic did or what this local comic did or Mm -hmm. how they run their local show. But, again, they don't expand out very much, and um, they get kind of stuck they, it's like their, their wheels are spinning in the mud yeah. in that spot. And, um, they start to kind of be known for like the one thing I see a lot of comics and I felt victim to it too, is once I got to a point of having a really strong 10 minutes and I was getting booked consistently. And I had that 10, I rested on that 10 for a good 18 to 24 months,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, without developing additional material. And that was my period of playing comic. I was drinking, Consistently yeah. at every show, I'm hanging out before and after. Mm. Um, I, all of my all of my closest friends are comics, uh, which is a great time. It was it's one of the most fun times of my life, but it was also one of the least creatively yeah. productive. And I feel like th- for me, I was spinning my wheels as well there because I wasn't I wasn't advancing the material. I wasn't taking an honest look at the material and trying to move it forward while also building on the material that I had in my uh, you know on my bench. Of stuff to to pull in. I had 10. If you wanted me to do 20, then I was going to be struggling yeah. <laughs> to do that 20. <laughs> and when I finally got to a point of accepting that, um, that was also around the time when, uh, when I started, I stopped drinking and got a little more focused and it became more goal oriented. And as I, I yeah. think you're right, a lot of comics don't, don't set goals for, um, what do I want? Yeah. And that uh, first goal is most likely I want to work at this local club. Okay. Who works there? What do they do? Um, what was their process like? What's the booking process? What's the audition mm-hmm. process? Uh, how do I start to become a viable candidate? And it's, you know, from a lot of clubs and a lot of comics don't like to hear this, but for a lot of clubs, it's not necessarily um, getting their attention and, you know, a quick audition and suddenly you're working there. It's also making sure that you look, that you don't give them reasons not to book you. Right. And a lot of comics provide a lot of reasons to like, well, they're, they're funny on stage, but I heard they they did this at this other show, or I heard they, they are, they go on stage drunk a lot. Yeah. All of that kind of stuff. Um, it's a lot of, a lot of clubs. It takes a bit longer to get in there because they're just making sure you're not crazy. Yeah. And so that's the first goal is like, how do I become, um, how do I respect this as a business and present myself as somebody who is viable that I'm going to show up, I'm, I'm going to be reliable on stage. I'm going to be funny. I'm not going to cause any problems. And, uh, and, you know, I'm not saying necessarily, like, play it super safe with your material. I'm saying be a professional. And uh, the, the best clubs in the country all uh, all are very supportive of all sorts of material, but they also are most likely to book comics that they know are going to respect the club and aren't going in specifically to cause problems right. with their audience. Right. In the end, in the end, we're still selling drinks and chicken fingers. That's kind of yeah. <laughs> <kinda laughs> what the whole deal is.
0: And, and that attitude, you know, there are thousands upon thousands of people that are um, good enough to be on showcases. They've got a good 10 or 15, or they're um, really good hosts. Um, they've been hosting, but they haven't been able to make that uh, leap into the feature part. And everything that you're talking about... Uh, being uh, being nice, being respectful respectful of the club, and uh, having ha- having good material, all that kind of stuff, has to um, really play into the fact that people want you to feature because they know you know they know that this is gonna. Drew's going to show up. He's going to, he's going to do good. The crowd's not going to be pissed off when I get on stage and it's going to, it's going to be a um, good experience for me because my feature is good.
1: Yeah. It's, you know, becoming when I, when I first started hosting, I remember the moment um, because the the club everyone wants to get into in the Bay area is the, is the punchline in San Francisco. Uh Yeah, That's the club. And it took me forever to get in there. I got my audition past it the first time and um my first week I was uh, I was hosting for Ricky Velez and I thought you know I walked into that club I'd done other club weeks before but I thought this is this is it I'm I'm like I, I'm here I belong here I am so good this is it's time mm-hmm. and of course like a lot of comics I hit that moment and I thought I will be featuring here within a year or two at most and that first night on stage at the Punchline, watching the the feature, um, David Bory, uh, is he's he's got a Conan clip. If you never, if you don't know David, it's Bory is G B O R I E. Okay. David is um, David started in San Francisco. He's in LA now. He's done a bunch of stuff. But um, watching David feature, and David's like ten years younger than me. Uh-huh. Um, he also he was he's one of those comics who he went from host. To feature uh, for Live Nation in the Bay Area super fast just because he's so funny mm-hmm. and watch him do the work. It was, I had another one of those moments where it's like I took my notebook and threw it away. I'm like, I am barely eking out 15 minutes of decent <laughs> material here. David's crushing for 30 just effortlessly. Yeah. And it makes you, I started to pay close attention to that. And I just, um, I was supposed to get my feature audition there uh, in, I think it was April of 2020. We all know how that went. Uh, I went back and 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 passed uh, to feature there in the future. It's like that was one of my big comedy goals. And uh, when I left San Francisco, I was a little emotional, like I haven't done that yet. Um, but they were nice enough to invite me back to do a week and do an audition. And I'm heading back to feature there for uh, Marilyn Reichkop oh, okay. in uh, September. So I'm very excited. Also, Mr. Show was big for me. So this is uh, it's it's all sorts of stuff coming together. Wow. Um, but yeah, it's like the feature spot it's it is um it's the easiest spot i will say typically uh mm-hmm. it's it's super comfy for any comics who are wondering uh is is featuring better it's so much better yeah. <laughs> like the hosting is the hosting is a lot of work uh and it, a lot of clubs make the host also have to deal with all the logistics of yep. you know you got to put your put your name in this bucket and we're gonna do this drawing and yep. here's all this information about hotels and snacks and all that stuff the punchline and live nations clubs do not. In fact, my, my, some of my favorite clubs to work are the live nation clubs, but, um, but it still, it comes down to, uh, the host has a lot of, lot more work to do, but if the host bombs, the features job is to bring the night back up. And the host sometimes will bomb just because, um, you're, you're on stage while people are ordering drinks, they're getting settled. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've had, when I was hosting more often, I had someone come up to me at one club and ask, uh, how we determine whose turn it is. I'm like, what are you talking about? It's like, well, I, I, it's just, you guys just take turns from whoever works here, just hosting the shows. Right. Like he thought I worked in the bar. Uh-huh. I was the like, office. I was a waiter or a cook or something. And it was like, it was just my turn to host the show. I'm like, this is, uh, this is emo Phillips who's headlining. Do you really think that just like drag someone that is like, well, I, well, as soon as you're done cleaning that toilet, get on stage and, and host the show. Um, but there's that perception, and so sometimes the host struggles through no fault of their own. They can have great material, and I, I had that moment plenty of times of like I just cannot get them because they don't respect me. Whereas the feature, the show has officially begun, um, but you, that means you also if the if the host didn't get much, that means you're you're coming in kind of cold. Yeah, and you got to warm it up for the for the headliner, and it's a it's a fun spot. I enjoy it quite a bit. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just but you get there through just consistently showing up mm-hmm. over and over and over again and looking at your jokes very critically. I've had, I know quite a few comics who make it to hosting consistently and especially if they host at like bigger clubs, uh, they will just kind of stick there. And then eventually they start to find themselves featuring at B clubs or C clubs or even headlining mm-hmm. at C clubs. But the act never really evolves that much. Um, and some of the best bookers I've known at some of the bigger clubs, it's, they, they can see that some people are, are headlining at whatever club in rural Dakota or South Dakota or something, but they're like, yeah, but they're, they're a host here. Right. Uh, yeah. and that's just, uh, I, I know I can think of, uh, yeah, I, if I, I was going to give an anecdote, but I immediately realized that I would be easy to, to Google who, who I was talking about, so I'm not going to, um, because they're they're a very lovely person, but it was uh, yeah a Booker. what uh, a Booker friend gave me an anecdote about something like that, yeah, and it's it all comes down to um, just try to be a professional. It's still a business, and it comes down to uh, you know do the work when it comes to the material. Don't focus so much on uh, the production value. Just if you if if you have a 4K camera, <laughs> it's only going to get your mediocre set in sparkling quality if
0: the the material's not good you know i i want to back up a little bit because you mentioned early on that uh you recognize that you were just uh you know a ball of energy up there because you you know you were you were nervous and and uh all that and it's one thing to recognize it did you take any steps to actually be so mindful when you're up there that, that you, um, you were able to tone that down? And if so, how did you do that?
1: Yeah. Uh, so I started to have just like simple little things that I like little, um, steps in the, in the act or during my sets that I would try to, remind myself to do consistently a big one was um whenever i had a joke that i believe was the punchline whether it hit or not uh, especially early on um when the laugh was happening take a big take a break take Mm. a beat and take a breath
0: yeah
1: uh and i would keep repeating to myself slow down Mm. um and i started to i put a lot of effort into enunciating more clearly uh, and just kind of making sure this, I was, I was realizing two things when I was watching those videos of me just being frantic.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, one was I was working myself up into a lather and I was coming off stage, just drenched in sweat, which is just disgusting. Like yeah. I can remember coming off stage from a 10 minute set in a, in a room that was not warm, just drenched in my shirt. soaked through it was disgusting. Uh-huh. Um, but I also watching it realized that there was there were good punchlines in the in the act. They just couldn't understand them because I was going so fast. Mm. And another comic, when I mentioned that what I was what I was trying to do, he said, "Well, you know, you're kind of like the boxer that comes out in the first round, just swinging wildly, trying to knock them down and get them. Like you're you're just swinging so wildly that it's that nothing lands." Uh-huh. Uh, and I started to slow down, and as a result of that. I started to have better sets. Suddenly the jokes are hitting harder. Some some of the setups and the tags are hitting better because I'm not just I'm not so frantic about it. Mm-hmm. It's a little more paced. Another thing that was a big um, a big step for me was I was I did a show. I created a show called I think I'd be good at that, when the whole point of the show was we would have five comics who were fairly established or consistently working and they would help to write jokes and coach a person who had never done stand up before to get on stage and that person would then headline the show mm-hmm. and the show did very well it was based in the bay area we were doing some festivals at the time of covid i think we, we had about a year's worth of stuff around the country booked it's since it's kind of it's still on hiatus but um what ended up happening because of that is um i got way more analytical about material uh being able to write material in a more general way that i you know as a comic you start to get into your rhythms you mm-hmm. know like i i know how i can jush this up And make it work for me and my voice with a little like you know shimmy shake and add a little lilt to it and it works for me. But I need to make it work for other people. But it also um, part of that was coaching these new people into how to do stand up and it kind of you kind of break it down into a basic process. And again, I was repeating to them: slow down, at every punchline, take a deep breath, Mm -hmm. and then go into the next next joke. Like it's don't don't just race through. And uh the great thing about all of that is I had people who they were terrified of public speaking, they were terrified of doing stand-up, and uh I had a lot of those folks come away from that experience saying that it not only changed their perception of stand-up comedy and performing, but it just changed their their whole lives in terms of like presenting at work, mm-hmm. giving a presentation, um, talking to people in public spaces. It was and you start to see those things that how it's it becomes a universal thing. Um But you just have to concentrate on the moment and be more thoughtful about how these words are coming out of your mouth. Yeah. Um, And am I just beating them over the head or am am I doing it in a more conversational way? One other funny thing that happened as part of all that process of like watching the video and getting trying to be super tight about the words. I started to realize that at one point I was getting so precise with the verbiage. It was like I was reading from a script and I wasn't, it was just in my head. Uh And I started to realize that I went from having really good sets to suddenly it was getting a little more mediocre, a little more flat. And I started to, I kept, tried to keep the pace of not going too fast, but I would start to add in ums and uhs. And I started to think of it more like jazz where I was able to kind of move around a little bit where Uh I know the beats, but I'm, I'm kind of changing the notes here and there. And that little extra bit of sloppiness um, or a perceived slappiness. Uh-huh. My wife my wife will complain that it seems it seems like I'm making the same uhs and ums and <laughs> stutters over and over again. but it, to me it ends up finding shape in like it hits with the audience in that they think this is just it's you know kind of a fun, performance of it's it's coming out of my out of my mouth for the first time yeah as opposed to um I am reading a script I am joke bot 9000 here yeah. are my jokes <laughs> and that and that was another thing that evolved for me and that's literally just watching and listening to my sets over and over and over again which is super painful uh-huh. but uh so necessary in this whole process yeah
0: yeah I really like the idea of these um, themed showcases that are, you know, either um, I think I think I can do that, or. Um, you go up and part of your set has to be a subject that you don't know until you walk up there and stuff like that because it really uh, first of all it makes you mindful but it it's almost improv uh in the fact that you have to kind of watch what other people do and what's working for them and i think that's really good for the growth of a comedian and i'm scared to death to do it because i've got one here and and i i'm i'm like ah i just i think if you throw a subject at me the, that i'm not ready for i don't know what i can do i'm just gonna be up there stammering
1: it's you know and uh, for my show we would we would sit down with a person who had never done stand-up and we would start asking them questions like what's a story that you tell all the time at parties uh-huh. what's a story that your friends would tell about you um and we start going through those and so then the comics would start to you know take their own stab at trying to write that and then we would kind of rewrite it based on how this person you know their cadence and all mm. of that good stuff um And some comics would jump in head first and they really enjoyed the exercise. Other comics struggled with it. Um, And I will say, if there's anyone out here who's considering creating a show where you give comedians homework, it's a terrible idea. Do not ever do it. uh, Because (laughs) what I ended up having to do with most of those shows is I would have, we were aiming to have the person do about 10 minutes. And I would end up getting about three or four minutes worth of usable jokes from the comics and on most of those shows. So I ended up having to write uh, most of the set, which was good and bad. Um, on one hand, it really is lame that you have to sit down and, and try to write six or seven <laughs> minutes worth of jokes for a person. with. And, this, and the show's happening in like a week, and like this has to be good on the first try. On the other hand, I did get good at it, and it affected my ability to write for myself. Uh-huh. Like, it's, it's, I, like I had said earlier in the show, I'd gotten sloppy. I'd gotten used to a lot of stage time. And so I would just write on stage or I would edit on stage. And there was a period where I never wrote anything in a notebook or wrote it down anywhere. It was just in my head. Mm. And I would know like the title of a joke. And I would just kind of use that over and over again. But it would just kind of modify going through that exercise and and writing a little more thoughtfully ended up meaning that uh, in writing for other people and for another person and having to coach them into here's how you tell this joke. Um, it made me a lot more analytical about the process hmm. of performing standup and writing standup. And that was a huge that's been a continues to be a huge asset for me. Stage time is not as prevalent as it once was um, for me here by design. I didn't come to Detroit to get super famous but um, and be on stage every night. Mm-hmm. But when I do go out two or three nights a week, I'm a, I'm much more purpose driven about what I'm doing on stage, and the joke is a lot more fleshed out yeah. than it used to be. It's not as uh, I, I like to say that the joke is now wearing jeans as opposed to the sweatpants it was yeah. uh, a few years ago. <laughs> and
0: and when you get to a certain age, you just realize that y- you've got so much time left, and and you don't want to you don't want to waste that time at a show or a mic or something like that doing something that doesn't give you anything back and and that that you know i got stuck in that and you know every time i did uh, when i was in south bend you know the open mic would either have uh all comics there or it would be just full of notre dame students because they all decided to come and every time it was full standing room only i would break out the greatest hits every single time instead of bringing out new stuff. And I kick myself now for that because it's just an open mic. It's not, they're not going to remember, uh, and, and, uh, I, I could have grown a lot quicker because it, it was full of Notre Dame students more often than not. And I could have grown a lot quicker if I just would have, you know, sandwiched in some new stuff and not just bring out the greatest hits every time. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a learning process. And looking back, you know, you can, you can see all the things you did wrong. Uh, but you also have to be able to look forward too. I, I, so I haven't gotten into this yet. You know, why did you even start doing stand-up?
1: So I've been, you know, I grew up in a family. I, I like to say we were carny folk. Uh-huh. Um, my father, my father was in bands uh, my entire life. Still is in a band, um, mm-hmm. and of course, then I got dragged into playing drums and uh, and bass at some point in a band with him. Um, and I was in theater as a, in high school, and I always enjoyed performing. and I'd always been kind of intrigued by by stand up there's uh-huh. uh at some point we were at some family thing and i was like 12 or something it was karaoke and i went up and i told them i just wanted to tell jokes and i told i tried to tell jokes in a in like a bar setting with a bunch of adults uh, early uh some saturday night anyway um it, just from an early age i was kind of intrigued by it and i'd always really enjoyed stand up and then it was um dave Attell's insomniac show uh, Comedy mm. Central was the first time where I was like, "That looks like fun." Like yeah. it's it's like you just get to travel around, and it you know at the time drinking was was something that attracted me.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, and you get to travel, but you get to travel around the country and the world, and, and have fun. And then um, Mr. Show uh, was like the moment for me of like I enjoyed Kids in the Hall. I'd always watched SNL, but Mr. Show was the first time where I was like, "Oh, I can see the wheels turning behind the the." purpose yeah of these jokes that was big and then the comedians of comedy when that hit of um pat and oswalt and brian Posehn and galifianakis and maria bamford were all like they're all unique comics yeah. um but they all had they were just super funny and to see like touring around and just doing it at at bars and small theaters and stuff like that. And that was finally the moment. And what happened for me was, uh, I graduated from college with uh, the intent to work in journalism, mm-hmm. which I still am angry that my my college took my money to get that degree. but uh, <laughs> but i I didn't I started working in radio, and I was working at one radio company. I had gotten the promotion, and then almost immediately they laid off everyone at the at that particular office. And I managed to get a decent severance out of it because I had just been, you know, we'd just signed papers, gotten a contract, all that good stuff, and so um, I just managed to get a good severance out of it. I'd been talking about stand up forever, and my then fiance now wife uh, to this to this day she still regrets it, but she said, "We got a little money, uh, you've got some time, why don't you go just try the stand up thing? Just go try it, uh-huh. and and just see how it is." And I think she had the expectation that like a lot of things and a lot of people, I would go. Do it once or twice, uh, kind of get the the taste out of my mouth, and then go back to normal life. And I went, I signed up for my first club open mic, did that, did I was I was the best open micer by far, which is not saying a lot, but I, I had a pretty solid set, <laughs> and walked out of that out of that night, just like, Oh, this, I'm doing this for a while. And it's just been that
0: yeah, ever since. That's cool. That's cool. That's, that's kind of my story. My, my wife kind of helped push me into doing it too. And, uh, it's, uh, the th- bad part was I drug her to all the open mics when I first started. And, you know, I'd ask her one question, was I the worst? And as long as I wasn't the worst, I'd keep going. <laughs> and, and sometimes I was close. Um,
1: yeah, <laughs> my wife went to a lot of them early on. Uh, and then she went to, when I started to get work at clubs. she would come to some of that. Uh-huh. Um, and then at some point she hit that wall that a lot of wives do understandably. I, uh, yeah. and, uh, she was like, you tell, I'll go to the big ones at the places I like, um, that have the food and drinks that I like. Yeah. That's the <laughs> one I'll go to. And, and I respect her for it. Uh, she has, um, And there's been moments where, like, um, I was I was hanging out at the punchline on a New Year's Eve and uh, Doug Benson showed up. Uh I'm not a big fan. I'm not a big pot smoker. Uh My wife does tend to enjoy it. Um, But then Doug Benson is standing there and he's like, hey, do you want to smoke a joint? I'm like, well, of course, I'm going to smoke a joint with Doug Benson. (laughs) And then later when I get home very, very high, my wife's like, what happened to you? I'm like, I got high with Doug Benson. Of course I did. (laughs) And she's (laughs) like, no. Um, So she's missed out on a few things like that. But um, for the most part, she's always been super supportive. But, you know, uh, spouses, it's it's very silly. And sometimes when you're uh, traveling or flying around and you end up uh, making grand total you know, 20 or 30 bucks from yeah. a night of, of doing up. There's moments when uh, my wife is like, where, wh- where is this going? <laughs> um, but, but, and again, understandably so. Um, but I, now I'm at this, uh, I'm at this place here in Detroit where I'm like, I'm, I'm as busy as I want to be. I've got club stuff. That's like once a month or so I'm doing a, doing a club week. I do a couple of shows a week. No matter what Uh, I was doing some road stuff Gas prices have kind of made it So it's not necessarily ideal Hmm. Um, But I just kind of fit it in where I can Um, But I'm as busy as I want to be But I'm not in that same grind That I felt like I was Where it was like You know, it's every three months I got to go down to LA And try and do a few nights of sets and i gotta go go do some sets in portland and i gotta go to the, to the punchline every sunday night for the sunday showcase and like yeah i know i just got up but it's like, i gotta go hang out so people see that i'm there yeah i'm going more for the reclusive genius thing now yeah and that's uh, <laughs> that's been good and uh i do have to say i was seeing all the people uh getting all the the messages from folks when i got into the asheville comedy festival uh was was super nice and it's it just feeds into my reclusive genius thing so yeah uh, thanks to <laughs> thanks to everyone who reached out um and thanks to Asheville for uh, for accepting me I appreciate it <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's great now if you uh so uh, hypothetical if you are um working a club and you see this uh new newer comic that you can tell has potential and you you it's pretty easy to see potential, um, these days and you know, they have potential and you think that they've got what it takes and you can tell they carry themselves like somebody who would be a good comedian. What would you recommend that they do in their first year to get them to where they want to be quicker?
1: So first thing I would recommend is, um, find the, the closest club, and start hanging out there as often as possible. Um, do not be in the way. Uh, learn people's names and stay out of the way, but just be there and figure out what their process is uh-huh. and make that your goal, to be getting on stage consistently and to be past and working that club. The other thing I would recommend is um, start your own show. Get a Find a decent venue with good conditions. I'm not saying I see a lot of comics that start shows that are just an awful bar spot. The the layout is not correct. It's an awful setup for a comedy show, but they'll just do it just because they're just so desperate to have a show. Make uh-huh. sure the logistics are right, and as a new comic, you're going to figure out what's right and wrong uh, as you do those shows. And also, um, if it's not right, be okay with letting stuff go and finding another venue. Don't just hold on to it's... it's either in every town there's some really crappy show that everyone says it's that show sucks, but yeah, it's every Tuesday. If you want to do a set.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: don't, don't be that show. Uh, (laughs) so, so create a better show, but it, it, while all of that's happening, your number one goal shouldn't necessarily be, um, to, you know, to just be getting past and trying to get work. The, the big thing in that first year is that, um, get on stage as much as possible Record your sets. I would say, with the first year, audio. Just focus on audio. Mm-hmm. Uh, record it with your phone, and then listen back to every single set. Uh, and consume as much comedy as you can. Don't be the person who stands outside smoking a cigarette, or you're if the if the comedy is happening in another room, you're in the other room. You're you're, you're at the bar, mm-hmm. getting drunk. Watch the other comics as much as possible because you do start to learn what to do and what not to do and you'll see the comics who you know are, are getting work in the area you'll see what they're doing and then you'll see the guys who like they've been doing it 10 years but they've been an open micer that whole time and yeah. you start to figure out like oh that's why that person doesn't get any work yeah. um, so watch that stuff but also you got Netflix YouTube you got all these other spots to consume as much comedy as possible and then um, compare yourself think of it as competitive but always competitive with yourself don't start uh, battles with other comics don't judge other comics it's always about you it's, it's you can point out what other especially in a local scene uh-huh. you can point out what other people are doing wrong all the time it doesn't make any difference in regards to what you're doing and uh, i can speak from experience and conversations i've had with bookers at clubs they don't necessarily think of it as one comic versus the other they're trying to find the right pieces to fit in whatever show right. they're booking so it's, it's a it's a rich pastiche of different yeah. different colors and options yeah um so you know it's you got you might be a guy who's like might be a, a chubby white guy with a beard who talks about spider-man there's another chubby guy white guy with a beard but he's talking it's all about you know crap beer and his wife yeah it's two different things and a uh, booker's going to look at those analytically as as different pieces of a puzzle yeah. to put together on the show so don't don't think of it uh, necessarily as as competitive against other comics, just always try to push yourself, and not uh, don't don't start don't start shit with other comics. Yeah. It's just yeah. and and if at all possible, don't date other comics. There's <laughs> I've I've seen that implode enough times. Do do whatever you can to just squash that
0: early. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've I've seen some of that too, and uh, yeah, it's uh, I, I'm just glad I didn't. Start when I was so young and stupid because I know I would have made all those mistakes and probably worse than anybody else.
1: Oh yeah, and it's I can say that. And uh, it's I was married when I started to get in, or I was engaged when I got into comedy. Uh So my wife's been with me through the whole thing. So I've never, uh, never been that person. But I've watched it happen with so many of my friends, and I do know a couple of successful comedy relationships of people who are, um, yeah, who have done uh, managed to make it work. Um, but that's definitely the minority. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's an anomaly. Well, Drew, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, where can folks find you on the uh, internet and, uh, where are you going to be here in the next few weeks?
1: Yeah. Uh, depending on when this airs, you, well, check out drewharmon.com. Okay. Just D-R-E-W-H-A-R-M-O-N. That's D R E W H A R M O N. That has all my latest, uh, show information, all of that good stuff. Uh, I've got some local shows around Detroit and Michigan here for the next month or so, and then in August I'll be in Asheville, North Carolina. Month after that I'll be in San Francisco. Um, uh, I, I and off the top of my head, I think in July I'm going to be in Chicago for a couple of days. I'll put I'll make sure that it's, it'll all be on my website drewharmon.com, and you can also find me on Twitter. Uh, that is at Drew Harmon, just my name, mm-hmm. nothing crazy, just at Drew Harmon. So uh, yeah, check all that stuff out, and uh, I will. Be in, be in a town near you, hopefully soon.
0: Great, great. Well, I, I did really enjoy that set. And uh, folks, I'm going to put that set in the show notes so you can take a look at it. And uh, I think it's a it's a good one-on-one on how to uh, put a set together to get in the clubs and festivals and stuff like that. So I, I, I think you did a really good job with it.
1: Thank you. And also, I, I think I, I titled that one Short Set. Uh, if you title a set Short Set on YouTube, I know bookers and people who review sets like that just because it's oh, uh, further, okay. further further, uh-huh. little uh, evidence of like, OK, this is a, this is short because I've uh, it's bookers, especially for like festivals and competitions and stuff. They watch so many clips and I've heard plenty of co- plenty of bookers say that they'll watch the first 90 seconds and then they fast forward to the last minute. Yeah. Uh, and that's uh, that's all they all they need. Most of the time, if you yeah. title it short set, people are more likely to, uh, you know, the times there on YouTube, right? They just like that reassurance. That's cool. It's like, okay, this is short. That's and, funny, because I they,
0: made it, I made a note of that when I when I was watching, it. I thought, yeah, that's a pretty cool name short set. If I was a booker, that's what I'd want to see. So that's, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah great. Well, thanks so much for being on the show. I, um, I feel like I interrogated you a little bit here. Today, but... <laughs> I I had specific things I wanted to know, and uh, and and you gave me all the answers. So I appreciate that.
1: Thank you for having me on. Uh, it didn't feel like an interrogation at no, all. This was a great uh, great chance to chat. I hope people got something out of it, even if uh, I am understandably not uh, not that big of a deal. But uh, I hope folks got out of it. I hope uh, th- I wish everyone the best of luck. We're all going to make it, guys. We're yeah. all going to make
0: it. <laughs> Thanks so much, Drew.
1: Thank you, Scott.